The Duchess podcast has been the creative outlet for the current Duchess of Rutland and her daughter, Lady Violet Manners, with over half a million subscribers worldwide each season, discussing the roles and responsibilities of estate life from a woman's perspective. Join me as I chat with Violet about her passion for heritage and historical homes and how she is using her skills and marketing know-how to launch a platform that will open up those beautiful country houses and rural landscapes to more people. Hello and welcome to the Countryside Kitchen Meets, a food and farming podcast. I'm Millie Fife, your host. I'm a mum of two, farmer's wife, food producer and passionate about flying the flag for British food and farming. Today we'll be chatting to Lady Violet Manners, eldest daughter of the Duke and Duchess of Rutland who resides at Beaver Castle. Then I'll give you some inspiration when it comes to mealtime preparation and some recipes to share meaning you can juggle family life with the children and cook a tasty, nutritious meal that everyone can enjoy. Okay, let's introduce you to my guest. Lady Violet Manners is a strategic and creative consultant, as well as the executive producer and director of the Duchess podcast. Violet is currently working to expand the podcast into something more, organising once-in-a-lifetime opportunities to visit meet and stay at some of the homes featured on Duchess, working alongside the podcast's exclusive travel partner, Abercrombie and Kent. A force for good, she recently threw her hat in the ring to stand for a position on the National Trust Committee to bring a fresh and youthful perspective to heritage and contribute a balanced voice to the National Trust's strategic direction. I can never say that word, strategic. <laughs> She is also working on projects with the Royal Countryside Fund to help showcase some of the worthy projects funded by the King's Rural Charity. So, without further ado, let's bring Violet on. Hello, Violet. How are you? Hello, Millie. Really well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm just trying to keep warm. (laughs) (laughs) I know. We're finally getting into that time of year where we're really starting to feel the chill. Um... But no, so happy to be here with you and thank you so much for asking me to join you on the podcast. Oh no, well I've been following your journey on Instagram for a little while now and I just wanted to reach out to you and I'm so delighted that you accepted my invitation to come and as a fellow podcaster as well, you know sort of what it's like to, you know, just chat to people and kind of get that, that kind of media out there because I think it is so important. I completely agree. And I really, no, I think um, I think the one thing if you're not in podcasts and people don't realise it's just how difficult it is sometimes even just getting the guests on the show initially. Um, the conversation is the easy bit, at least in my experience, is actually just getting the guests there sometimes, the logistical bit behind the scenes that is a challenge. Um, so now I'm always like very game for having, you know, great conversations on good podcasts like yours um, about things that, you know, I care about and love. Yeah. Um, so it's very happy to be asked. Oh, show. wonderful. Thank you. Well, you're sat in London at the moment, but mm. you obviously grew up at Beaver Castle. What was it yeah. like to grow up on the estate um, with your family? Um, I mean, it was a pretty unique childhood experience, obviously. And I'm always fascinated because I think, obviously, no one, none of us, none of us decide where we land. It's like, we're, you know, we're obviously, we're born and it's a lot, sort of, um, lack of a draw. But 
I'm obviously was very lucky where I've landed. I think my mum being a Welsh farmer's daughter yep. made sure that it was drilled into us from a young age that we weren't going to be kind of castle brats, as she would say. We were always going to have our feet firmly on the ground with a really, you know, good attitude and understanding about what life's really about. And that's about making the most of, in, in my, my mum's view, like going for life with your own volition, not because of where you've been born or where you come from, but because of who you are. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that's been drilled into us from a young age. But it was pretty amazing. Um, and you can imagine we've had lots of fun playing hide and seek <laughs> when we were growing up. You know, God forbid if any friend of, you know, I'm one of five siblings. So God forbid if any one of my sort of five siblings, as the eldest sibling, I was relatively bossy at times. And if one of them was giving me a bit of jit, I'd just say, listen, just go and let's go and play hide and seek. You hide, I'll seek. And then I'd obviously just never go and buy them. And that would be like payback for being a little brat. But no, it was pretty amazing, Millie. Very lucky. And um, yeah. and, then, and also, you know, you know, mum's worked so hard at Beaver for so, so long. She's still very much at the helm. And we were, we were witness to all of that. So I think it meant that... It gave me a really good understanding about what heritage really takes in the 21st century um, and it was a lot of hard work. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I mean, you know, I've seen your mum's work ethic firsthand. About yes. 13 years ago, I was involved with charity fundraiser at the castle. So uh, dealing with your events team there and mm-hmm. just all the different businesses that are involved or embroiled yeah. in estate life. It's not... You know, just live in a really lovely castle, lovely grounds. It, it's it's a functional running business, and as you yeah, know, if you didn't do that, I'm sure it would look very different. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's and that's the thing that I think you know I wanted to do with our podcast, Duchess, is really sort of bring to light what does go on at Heritage, because I think for those that read the Daily Mail, and I'm guilty of it as well, but I think for those of us that read the Daily Mail. You'd be forgiven for thinking that, you know, these families are entitled to spoils. And, you know, I've definitely called all of those things by random people on the Daily Mail in the past. The reality is very different. You know, they are fully functioning businesses with unbelievably close-knit communities at the heart and centre of what they do and why they do it. You know, in many instances, I've travelled the length and breadth of the country meeting a lot of details and owners and their communities and the people that work at these estates. They're completely the heartbeat of their local mm. communities, and the way that they manage the land around their house and on the estate is beautifully done, um, and it's appreciated by all. And I think, I think that's the point. That's why I did the show, Duchess, and that's why you know I know we're coming on to talk about the business and building, but I think mm. that's why, in large part, I'm doing it because I think there's so much um, that goes on in these places. It's kind of for anyone that doesn't realise how they or why they might want to go and visit these places for really reasons. Mm. so much happening. Beaver Castle's been a, a very popular film set and were we there when they filmed The Crown, for example? I was. I was there when they filmed, a, I mean, they did, I think, season one to three at Beaver and I was there for it. I think we all were at different points, uh, uh, you know, in making that, yeah. that, that those series. And I remember me saying, who been in Claire It was yeah. early, early when she was the early queen, one. yeah. So I remember meeting her, I remember meeting her was playing Philip Matt and Matt, I can't remember his name, Smith, I think. Um, but I remember meeting him, I remember seeing all the trailers. And to be honest, as much as meeting the stars was really interesting, obviously. What I found amazing is seeing just the enormous set that goes on behind it. Like seeing the way that they have these enormous cranes kind of lighting the castle from the outside in to create kind of 
a particular type of lighting, all that kind of thing fascinated me. And so no, it's very cool, very cool to see a lot. I've seen lots of the films over the years. Pretty fundamental to lots of heritage houses. You know, a lot of these houses got lots of films that are made there. Um, and it's it's really important. That's another part of the business. Yeah. I mean, another reason why I have been to the castle uh, over the years, you've hosted the CLA Game Fair. Yeah. And yeah. there is, I was going to share with you a funny anecdote. So oh, when yeah. I... <laughs> So when I worked for RABI, the farming charity, I had a stand at the CLA Game Fair mm. and it was next door to Muddy Matches, which is the online rural dating agency. Oh, uh, yeah. And they had a kind of blind date type um, show in the Game Fair theatre. And one of their ladies dropped out last minute. And so they they came to me and said, Millie, would you, would you come and be our stand-in kind of lady? So I was like, oh, okay, okay. So I did. The gentleman who was asking the questions was probably at least 25 years older than me. But I was sort of like, oh, well, I'm just sort of standing in. Anyway, he ended up picking me and I had to go for a picnic with him in the grounds of Beaver Castle. No. <laughs> so there are so funny. <laughs> so good. So I ended up there I am with a picnic hamper and a bottle of champagne with this man that's probably nearly old enough to be my father. <laughs> just taking one for the team there. But um... that is. So brilliant. Gosh, how many years ago would that have been then? Oh, that I was just thinking it must have been probably 2008, 2009. It was wow. quite early on when I started with RABI because that was when, you know, we'd do three or four day shows and took a marquee yeah. and things like that. But actually, I mean, I, I finished with them in 2016. Um, and at that okay. point, we sort of, rather than doing a lot of the shows, which obviously took up so much of our time, we were a bit more strategic, really, in terms of how we fundraise. So, mm-hmm. um, but it was, again, it was always this spectacle, wasn't it? Just seeing how yeah. the, the the grounds of the castle just transformed um, yeah, for, yeah, for a yeah. big event. And I'm sure you still do things like that all the time. A lot, a lot. And that's also, you know, that's what's really sort of come to light for me, like in the last three years making the podcast. I was just amazed at the breadth of things that are happening at these states and on these, at these terrible. Mm-hmm. I think there's not a sort of centralised place for them to be easily found. So... That's what I'm creating with her, Jack, and I think that's what you know. That's what my that's what my complete passion and devotion is towards heritage. Because I think it's just amazing how people can make use of these beautiful spaces and just get out into nature and get out into beauty. Because I think you know, in the world that we live in today, there's a lot to be sort of sort of worried or sad about or concerned with. And actually, if you need are in need of a bit of respite, be it visually, physically, mentally, I truly believe that one of the most unique and most brilliant things about this country are the big open and beautiful spaces and historic houses that are on our fingertips um, and and easily accessible. Yeah, absolutely. And so you obviously have a successful podcast called The Duchess and you shared to me, you know, listener figures. I mean, it's absolutely astonishing um, what you've built up. So power to your elbow. Um, and so exploring historical homes around the UK. And I can already imagine that probably a lot of your audience are in America as well because of the interest that, and, and probably China as well, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. Interesting. So how, how how long has the podcast been going for? So we set it up in June, January 2021. And then, yeah, so we filmed, we filmed it in 2020, kind of obviously didn't start early 2020 kind of in the summer when we were allowed to be open again that's yeah. when we kind of got going with a few recordings then stopped and then finished the recording at the end of 2020 when we were allowed open again and then we launched it in january 2021 so 
you know, we've, we've done 50 episodes to date. And as I said, we have about half a million people that tune in per mm-hmm. series. Um, and it's gone from being, you know, interestingly, you mentioned America and China. It's gone from being like very much, we were like 40, 48% UK listener, largely the remainder of America. And then there was a big chunk in, interestingly, Canada, New Zealand and Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a few in Europe, like across all of Europe, but just in the hundreds. It was really interesting. This summer, this has been a big split, and there are a few reasons why, but it just flipped to being mainly a US audience, which is wow. which makes And then I need to have it all translated into Chinese to get a big Asian audience, sadly, which we haven't done yet, but I'd love to do that. Because um, I think it's, that's an untapped market filled with theories, which is cool. Absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more. Um, and, and so the types of guests that you have are people that are from historic homes um, and you've gone, you go out to them or do you, how does it work? Yeah, so we go out to, so my whole thing was that the reason why I wanted to create the show is one, to celebrate, to my mind, most beautiful estates in the country and the history of them, but to do so through the prism of a female voice. And the reason being that that's the unique prison to hear about these buildings through it's because historically speaking all of these estates and all of our history if you think about it has largely been documented by men and thereby it's a very masculine lens on on our history and actually in relation to these estates more specifically you know in world war one and two it was the women that were left at home yeah. and it was the women who were left at home running the house running the staff running the wider estate, making sure that everyone, all of the women and children and families that were left on the estate were being cared for. It was the women who looked after their collections when the men were at war and, and obviously previous to that, like centuries before. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the same kind of cycle. So I wanted to actually hear about the history of these places from women who run them today because I believe there was a real opportunity for us to share more about the women who have historically made such an impact on these incredible states as they all did um and and they're the ones that i mean if i'm obviously i love i love i love all of the men that that, that have been historic in this place in the last world today but i think that the women their stories haven't been told enough and so that's why i wanted to do it from my mum was you know my mum was the host and then she would meet with other women that are running heritage today and i obviously also the other thing i need to say is that like 100 years ago it was kind of a it definitely was the case that you marry into this family and you kind of slightly, I mean, you never quite kicked back. You know, they were always in charge of interior design of the homes and commissioning art by art, great artists and, you know, yeah. and, and managing a big household. But it was nothing like the women that are marrying into heritage today, like my mother, because mm. you've got to be a businesswoman, you've got to be a mother, you've got to be, you know, manage a team, you've got to understand a bit about farm, you know, management and land management. You've got to, there's, I mean, it is extraordinary the women yeah. that are kind of marrying into these homes and the way that they look at what they do and it's so brilliant and unique. So is that going all to share basically? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think your mum should be someone on Dragon's Den. I think she'd be amazing. <laughs> don't don't forgot to say that. She'll be she'll be sending in her application to Dragon's Den producers next week. <laughs> she would love it. And she is amazing. She is amazing. I mean she's She's such a sort of visionary and and also, you know what I love about her? She's never willing to, she's not afraid of making or getting something wrong. She's not like, that never deters her and stops her. She just, her view is, yeah, I am one, give it a go. If it doesn't work, try something else. Like, And, and I love that mentality because I think that's what life's about really. Um, Definitely. You know, we're not in like, well, touch wood, you know, none of us are kind of in life or death. 
situations with what we do. And so if you get something wrong, give them another go. Yeah, and learn from I, mistakes as well. Yeah. Massively, massively. She probably wouldn't be a bad dragon. I mean, she'd definitely be interesting. She'd definitely make the other dragons sort of look quite dark. Probably a bit darling character. So many sides by character. Absolutely. Um, We've already alluded to your new excited project. Let, let's sort of link into that um, Heritage X. So that's obviously come off the back of the podcast um, and obviously through the world that you are working and operating in. So mm. how is that? how is that looking at the moment? Where is it going? Yeah, so we are building. Um, it's really exciting, and I'm so like grateful to be able to share it with your listeners because um, we are building the first kind of aggregator platform, and an aggregate sounds like perhaps an alien word, but really Airbnb is an aggregator, delivery is an aggregator of food, uh, train lines an aggregator of train tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing the same thing, but but independent heritage. So heritage across the country that isn't a part of the brilliant National Trust or English Heritage but is outside of those two things because they're still owned in Tansy, but have a really brilliant, as I said earlier, kind of visitor, holiday cottage, event calendar in any given year. And so, yeah, we've created a platform on which we'll have 1,500 historic homes um, for people to land on the platform and decipher based on like their interest, where they want to go, what they want to do you know, make their book into that historic house through our platform. And we're kind of really early stages, so we're raising money right now. We've been raising money for about a couple of weeks now. Um, and then we are launching the business next April, yeah. um, just in time of spring, which is really exciting, my favourite time of year. Yeah, we're really looking to kind of build, dare I say, the National Trust 2.0. I think what we're doing is going to be in support of Heritage in a really meaningful way. We're, we're going to be revenue generating heritage and I want to be um, experience generating for the, the population that use it because I really believe, as I said earlier, that these historic houses have got so much to offer mm-hmm. for families, young children, individuals. You know, there's just so much happening that you can do at these historic houses. But it's just a bit of a job right now, finding them and understanding what's happening and when. Yeah. And so... You know, my hope is that this platform will be the first thing that comes to mind. If you're thinking about what to do with your evening or Wednesday night mm. or what to do the family weekend, go on to Heritage X and look at, you know, there will undoubtedly be a crafting class that's happening on or a wreath-making class at this time of year yeah. that's happening in about 10 estates around you. But you just don't want to sit on 10 different websites looking at 10 different, you know, estates' websites and, and their different yeah. calendars. So that's really what I see us, that's the role I see us play. Yeah. Um, which is exciting. Yeah, it really is. So it could be not only like from an experiential point of view, but it's also like accommodation or yeah. uh, you you, know, you could have your wedding there if you wanted. Exactly. Or, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a, one-stop, a one-stop shop for anyone that's sort of interested in heritage from be it a visiting experience, um, you know, just walking around the house and the gardens or actually going and doing like a wreath-making class there or something, or indeed, as you just pointed out, planning a wedding there. Um, it will have everything on there for every single house that we have on the platform. Yeah, you'll basically, it, it's the home of UK, the UK's heritage, is sort of yeah. what we're calling it. Um, and so it's really exciting that we, yeah, it's just, it's just such an exciting opportunity to kind of show the breadth and, yeah. and 
um, the length, quite literally, you know, we'll have houses on the platform from the very top of Scotland, the very bottom of Cornwall, yeah, and everything in between. And I think that's what I'm excited about is just showing for domestic tourism and international yeah. tourists the land in the UK. A, how much easier it is to get to half these places than you realise. Yeah. And B, just how much is going on at them. Because there really is so many ways that you can kind of get involved, which is great. Yeah. Oh, do you know what? I'm so glad that we're talking because I think, again, there's so many potential opportunities to collaborate as well. Really? I think, I think from a kind of food perspective as well, that obviously a lot of these big houses, estates, they're obviously food producers in their own right or have a cottage industry well in that and again you know all that i'm trying to do is shine a light on those independent producers yeah and and whether or not you know if i find you know find out about someone i tell you or vice versa really um absolutely because you know a lot a lot of the people that i come across is kind of they're very small scale or their marketing is very very small but actually by sharing and you know we've got getting big followings and things that actually it's sort of just shining a light on them, isn't it? So that 100%. they can generate income. Yeah, and what I want to do long-term really is, you know, we I want to start off with the 1,500 houses because at the moment there's no aggregated platform for them. So, and that's also, you know, for that includes either Burley, Holcombe, House, and, you know, you name it, they will be on that platform initially. But what I want to do in the long run, like to my mind, heritage goes beyond just, or certainly the UK's heritage goes beyond just the historic houses. It then, for me, branches out into the gardens that maybe aren't attached to um, a house but do have an amazing garden. Mm. And then it also branches a little bit further into the way in which I've seen the Royal Countryside Fund and the work I've done with them this year, the way that farms are diversifying and the way that they, you know, I went to one farm at the very top of Scotland on the kind of northwest peninsula Mm. and it was amazing to see how I could go and stay in one of that incredible teepees and experience the farm but in a really unique way and enjoy staying a night there and i i hope in time that's who who i want to also have on the platform i want to have everything i deem to be within that bracket of heritage which sort of forms the identity in my mind our country at its best i want to have on the platform basically yeah excellent oh well i will um share all the links anyway in the show notes because i think you know then more people are going to be aware of that Excellent. Great. Um, how important is eating British produce to you? Do you get time to cook? Uh, what are the favourite things that you like to I, eat? Okay, when the old one is podcast, I, I know. I'm, <laughs> so I'm going to fully, yeah, fully compare. I am now learnt to love cooking. Amazing. But I was terrible. I was terrible and I was terrified of it. And if my granny listens to this show, which she will, she will also laugh because she spent the last sort of 10 years saying, I'm absolutely hopeful in the kitchen. She does now think that I'm kind of improving slowly. It was COVID, amazing. It was COVID yeah. that got me into cooking. And I just had to do it. We had to. Mum created like a rope. I went back to being up of COVID. We all did. It was a kind of rotor that was like stuck on the kitchen. You know, it really reminded me of being back at sort of school. Um, mm. There was like a rotor stuck on the kitchen, you know, bridge that said, okay, Violet is cooking tonight or Alice is cooking tonight or whatever during COVID. And so you just had to get on with it. Yeah. And I just had to get over like, fear of it um basically so i love using british produce and again out of covers we got even as a family you know my family were kind of because of the size of us and because of the way that my mum was always very short of time she would always just go to sainsbury's or go to whoever to get food because she needed to sort of get it all done in one go and do it quickly 
And then during COVID, we went back to some old school ways of going for breakfast, going to the bed going to the bed mm-hmm. shop to get the veg. And again, that stuck. And I love that that stuck. And I love that we are much better now around us at sticking mm-hmm. with, you know, all the kind of localized suppliers. Yeah. And in London, I will go out of my way now to go somewhere that I know I can get good quality British, British produce that's mm. expensive mm. but instead of far, fair price and to my mind having made the series that I have on the Gibson World Countryside Fund if if it means I've got to spend a bit more money on good quality produce and the farmers might be being paid better I'm more willing to do that out because I understand how much more goes into all of it it's much yeah. better yeah and so yeah I am I am conscious of all those things now just in a way that I wasn't four years ago in, in all honesty yeah oh that's really refreshing to hear actually and um i always find that uh cooking is is something that relaxes me actually i mean i know it, yeah i everyone everyone says that you're so lucky it still stresses me out oh. I've, got, I've got over it a bit. yeah what's your favorite thing to make i just love a roast dinner yeah i just just love i mean because i've got an ever hot cooker so basically like newfangled argo yeah. i can just chuck stuff in the bottom oven in the morning and then i just have to do the veggies in the afternoon and so mm-hmm. for me around family life it works really really well but i can imagine as well because i don't know if you still have shoots and shoot dinners yeah i can imagine that being quite an affair to get organized oh, and, yeah. yeah and you know just getting i mean my mum always used to say the hardest thing about you know, any old house and sort of be getting food because they would have so many more people working for them way mm-hmm. back when. And so getting hot food from the kitchen, which is often on the bottom floor, it's just not a, not in Beaver's case, this is across, you know, the historic house on the board. Getting food from the bottom kitchen up to the state dining room, wherever it is that you've mm-hmm. got a sheet group having dinner, that's the challenge. It's like getting it up there still really hot because often kitchens are put on the bottom floor, which is not that logical. But I guess they didn't envisage that these places would be being run with about half the number of people that it used to have back in the day. And keeping the rooms warm as well, because, you know, again, mm. from having having an event at Viva, I, I remember your mum, someone asking your mum, okay, how would you keep the place warm? And she went, darling, I just wear a fur coat. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's really good, yeah. because actually... The cost to run to heat a place is just know. you know well wow. actually but so since then we've had this um wood chip burner put in put in and that has made an enormous difference to the heating of the castle i mean now it's only too hot so i had friends saying this weekend who were saying hi oh, what on earth is going on here this this is the artist's house i've ever been into yeah. and to say that other castle is kind of unique so she's gone the other way now she's put in wood chip burning and the fur coats off and then heating <laughs> on um yeah, it's funny. It's um, it's one of those. It's one of those never-ending conundrums. Okay, yeah. in the way else. No, I can quite imagine. I can quite. And again, it's one of those kind of things that uh, you know, scratch beyond the surface. Everyone thinks, oh gosh, it's a beautiful, a- a- enormous place, and it's so mm-hmm. palatial. But actually, to actually live there is quite a challenge from the day-to-day running. And uh, mm-hmm. so, yeah, yeah. So it's quite. It is. Um, you know, the work that you're doing is really highlighting. The challenges that people have um, on each estate. So I, yeah. I'm excited to see what happens as, as things unfold. It's really thank you so much. Well, I'm really looking forward to. It. I can't wait to. Um, I, you know, I'm I'm such a sort of doer at heart. So I kind of just can't wait to like get into the doing phase of like actually creating the business. I, as a, right now, I'm raising money for it. So it's another. It's a different skill set, but it's yeah. like, it's one that's enjoyable as well. It's just I can't wait to actually get people on our platform and using it and 
you know, feeding back to them their thoughts. And then you're now, you're now by virtue of this conversation, you're now an early doctor of heritage. <laughs> I have to tell you. Yeah. Um, but you will be, because like, I need, I need and want like all of the feedback from people that know about it. Um, yeah. Early doors. Yeah. Really insightful though. No, absolutely. Use me as a sounding board because again, I, you know, through, through my sort of charity events and things, I have worked with a lot of big yeah. houses and also through my marketing business. Again, I, I've, I've worked with a few estates and things. So again, there absolutely. might be people that I can kind of connect you with as well, that if you're not already talking yeah. to them. So um, that's really kind of, well, I'll definitely, maybe I'll email you. Yeah, definitely. Excellent. Yeah. Now, how can people find out more information? Can you share your social so, links and things? Oh yeah. So I'm, so I'm on my Instagram with Man Violet and then like Twitter, which I didn't use that often. So I don't even know if I really need to go on my Twitter because I don't use it that much, but I'm on Twitter. I think I'm Violet Manners. And then we've also got, if you want to listen to podcasts, you can listen to it wherever you listen to your podcast. Um, but we also have a website for Duchess called duchessthepodcast.com. Yeah, come and visit one of the houses or several of the houses that we're going to have on our platform. Yeah. Um, yeah, it would be great. Brilliant. Well, again, I'll share the links in the show notes so people can find out and follow you and all of the websites. That's really nice. Really That's um, really nice. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. No, no problem at all. Okay, here are a few things that you can try at home. Let's talk about potatoes. Whilst we might reach for that bag of oven chips while we're in a hurry, there are so many things that we can do with a potato. It's a far cheaper way than getting more meals for less. I love to make my own wedges um, by simply cutting the potatoes into chunks, placing on a baking tray and covering in rapeseed oil and some decent quality sea salt. I actually really like the Cornish sea salt. And there's a lovely chicken seasoning you can get from Aldi as well, which makes your wedges taste absolutely delicious. Place them in a heated oven for about 30 minutes and then turn um, about halfway through so you get an even crispy cooked wedge. And the other no-fuss meal I enjoy preparing for my family is just a good old jacket potato. Pricking the jacket potato and putting in the microwave for 10 minutes before putting in the oven for around an hour um, until the potato is brown and crispy on the outside, soft and fluffy on the inside, and serving with a topping of your choice, whether it be beans and cheese, tuna, salad, beef chilli. The possibilities really are endless. But in season right now, February, March time, it's quite early doors um, for a lot of things, but things like spring onions, cabbage, kale, false rhubarb, spinach, purple sprouting, salmon and hake. My greenhouse is starting to come alive as we enter spring, so I'm looking forward to getting growing and establishing my kitchen garden. And if you go onto the No Fest Meals of Busy Parents website, each month there are seasonal ingredients there which link to various recipes and also some uh, awareness days so you can uh, link any content on social media too. Okay, that's all we've got time for today. Don't forget to tune into the next episode of the Countryside Kitchen Meets, which airs on the first of each month. And you can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast streaming platforms. And why not tell people about the podcast? For some people, they have no idea how to even tune into a podcast or when is a good time to listen. I often find when I'm folding my washing, having a bath or travelling on a long journey is when I really tune into podcasts. So if you're listening to this, why not encourage other people to jump onto their favourite podcast streaming platform and just show them how, how to listen and tune in. And also you might have noticed that the No First Meals for Busy Parents website has just been upgraded recently. I've been working behind the scenes to really ensure that it is user-friendly with lots of recipe ideas, 
meet the producer interviews and podcast uh, episodes. So there's about 30 of this podcast that you can find. And of course, there's good old Facebook and Instagram too. Thank you so much for joining me, Violet. It's been amazing. I've so enjoyed Thank finding you, out so all about your different projects um, and just good luck for the future. Thank you so much. I'm really looking forward to um, to launching Hack Sex and that'll be my that my mainstay in terms of all of my projects in the next 10 years. So really, really great money to have the opportunity to doing your brilliant podcast and also good luck with everything you're doing with it. It's such an amazing show. So thank you for having me. Oh, thank you so much. All right, everyone. We'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in. Bye.